You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday morning. Now, let's turn to our next topic and guests of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're hearing about an upcoming sailing trip with a green mission. And to tell us more about it, I'm really delighted to be joined in the studio by Philippe and Cosmas Crelon, who are a father and son team. And they are here to chat about being a part of the 2024 Rolex China Sea Race, along with Karen Cheng, who is a board director at a Plastic Ocean Foundation. Foundation, who's supporting the duo. Welcome to the program, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We are live as well on Facebook, so I'd love for our listeners to join us there. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. So maybe, Philippe, you're closest to me, so um, I'm just going to start off with you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. When did you start sailing then? Yes, thanks, Noreen. I think I started sailing when I was six or seven years old. Uh, building my own boats. It was actually a rubber boat where I uh, built a, a plastic sail and I sailed most of the time in my garden because the, wa- the sea was quite far away. So I was practicing in the garden until I could uh, reach the sea and then put the, the boat on the sea. And then the first time I think we uh, managed to cross a little bit of water and when we arrived on the other side, there were some people who said, oh, your boat is fantastic. You need to patent your boat. But, you know, we were seven or eight years old. So <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't uh, uh, necessarily the easy thing to do to patent the boat. No, not at <laughs> the, all. Yeah. yeah. What about for you then, Cosmos? When did you start sailing? Yeah. So for me, I, I started sailing from a, as well a very young age. And it was thanks to my father, of course. Um, at the time, we were living in, in New Zealand. And dad would, having had two older brothers who didn't really get into sailing, he really wanted me to to get into it. So uh, he used the technique of every time we went sailing, he'd take me to the candy shop afterwards and give me a couple of treats. Always (laughs) works. And uh, over time, uh, we'd do it again and again and again. And eventually, we stopped going to the candy shop, but I still enjoyed going sailing with dad. So since then, it sort of blossomed the... The relationship and the father and son sailing team that we have today. Absolutely. I think it's so heartwarming when you hear, you know, a, a great team spirit, but also because it's, you know, a family team, it, you know, adds to the to sort of the, the, the layers of dynamics, which we'll get to that later on as well. Um, tell us a little bit more about this upcoming race then. It's uh, quite a long journey. It's from Hong Kong all the way to the Philippines. Uh, give us a little bit of a background. Maybe, Philippe, you can start. Yeah, that's a classic race, you know, here in uh, Hong Kong, uh, between, so you said Hong Kong and Subic in the Philippines, it's 650 miles. Basically, it's uh, between three to five days nonstop. And uh, I've been doing that uh, race for now probably 10 years, but... Uh, only over the last four editions, three editions, sorry, uh, we did it in double-ended with uh, Cosmos, so which was a, a novelty here in Hong Kong, uh, because nobody did it before. We had to get a special approval from the Royal Hong Kong Yacht Club, who is organizing that uh, race. And uh, for us, it's fantastic because we we love doing uh, double-ended, and uh, I will explain later why, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So talk us through some of the training process that you've had to do, maybe Cosmos? Yeah, I mean, fortunately for us, we've been sailing for a very long time. So sailing is a sort of a lifelong sport and it's something you you keep on learning and and, and developing as, as you get more and more experience. For us, in terms of preparation for the race, it's really about the boat. 
and each year we've sort of done it on a different boat. So it's always a sort of different process, but time and time again, we learn, okay, well, last time this happened, so let's try to make sure that this doesn't break this time. And, and what we often say in sailing is you win a race by not losing it or by not making too many mistakes. So it's really about trying to make sure the boat's in the best condition possible so that we can get to the finish line as quickly as possible ideally without breaking anything. <laughs> yeah, and this year you've got the added mission, a, a bit of a green mission as well. You've also partnered up with um, a Plastic Ocean Foundation. What was the thinking behind it? Why have you decided to sort of join forces with this wonderful charity? I've been uh, myself in the waste management business for uh, all my life and uh, collecting rubbish, recycling, etc. And uh, I'm always, uh, you know, so... Uh, Paul, when I see the plastic in the sea and in the ocean last year, actually during the race, uh, I mean, just after uh, one hour after the start, we we got tangled into a big five meter plastic bag, which really stopped the boat. And uh, we spent uh, almost an hour to, to get rid of that one. Cosmos had to dive under the boat to remove the plastic bag as well. So, yeah, we, we've got these plastic bags everywhere in the Aberdeen Harbor or, you know, in the typhoon shelter of... Uh, uh, Causeway Bay or in Kuntong. I mean, it's absolutely shocking. So if we can help, you know, to promote uh, what Plastic Ocean Foundation is doing, it's, it's, it's I mean, fantastic, you know. Absolutely. And we've got Karen, Karen Chang from Plastic Ocean Foundation joining us this morning. Thanks for being with us today. Give our listeners a bit of background of some of the work you do there. Okay, so here's a scary one. Just last year, we picked up over 15 tons of plastic from our beaches in over 100 beach cleanups with 30,000 students helping us. And the stream of plastic that comes in continues to be endless. The, the beach cleanup that we do is all about connecting people to the oceans. We feel that if we can get people to experience the ocean, they'll be able to take action. Everything that we need to do to return the ocean back to its healthy state is what a plastic ocean does. And, you know, we're a part of the United Nations Initiative for Blue Oceans. And I think all around the world, everybody has the same mission, advocacy, science and education. And we're just so proud of, of Cosmos and Philip because, you know, they'll be you know, wearing a plastic ocean, the foundation name all over their boat, they will be advocating for us as they sail this incredible journey. And, you know, it is just about getting everyone connected and working together because there's no one solution. Every little bit counts. And if you join a beach cleanup, if you go and talk to students, if you try and revitalize areas that have been devastated by a loss of biodiversity, you know, it is important, otherwise we'll have nothing to hand over to the next generation. You know, two-thirds of the planet is covered by water. We're a blue planet, and we need to be all doing something. And these guys are just fabulous, and we thank you yeah. from the bottom of our hearts. It's always so shocking when you have a typhoon here in Hong Kong, and then the waves and everything bring up all the waste, and then that's really present. But after that, it seems to be forgotten. Mm. What are the public's sort of perception of, you know... Uh, ocean um, uh, pollution and do, I suppose the question is do people is it a bit far removed or, or are people really aware of the situation here, here locally in, in Hong Kong from the people that you've you've spoken to Karen I think ocean literacy is 
absolutely the key thing. I've not heard that term before. That's brilliant. Ocean literacy. (laughs) And that's really getting the message of the problems we're facing and how we mitigate out to as many people as possible. So whether it's schools, whether it's corporations, whether it's society and groups, and then of course, once each person understands, it is incredible how many of them are moved to do the first step, which is let's look at how much plastic we're using, do we need so much plastic, can we basically recycle more. So all of it is actually individual actions on a kind of general basis. But then Hong Kong needs to do its own waste management on a much bigger level. Mm. Yeah. If I can add one thing, you know, plastic, which has been one of my subjects for recycling for many, many years, you can easily recycle plastic bottles because there is some value in it. The biggest problem we've got is plastic bags. And you know, the day where we will totally ban plastic bags, then it will really help a lot uh, in the ocean. What, what I can see in Aberdeen Harbor, for example, where we've got our boats, you know, is that you've got plastic bags everywhere in the sea. And it's terrible because the poor fish, I mean, they just uh, coming all into these uh, things. You don't see so many bottles but you see many, many plastic bags. And that's the problem because plastic bag to recycle is complicated. You know, it's difficult to sort. It's difficult because you've got the different colors. As for the bottle, it's much, much, much easier to recycle, you know. So mm-hmm. that's uh, one of the problems. I think the issue is people must learn to keep reusing their plastic mm-hmm. bags or don't use them. Yeah. Refuse it. Exactly. In the first place. Um, yeah. A Plastic Ocean actually made a film called A Plastic Ocean. And there's one scene that everybody remembers, and it is a blue whale, Mm. and she's dying, suffocating on a plastic bag. And I think the impact is not only on animals who, who swallow these things and then they die, it is the fact that the plastic bags, they don't ever really disappear. They break down into microplastics, and then the microplastics are these tiny invisible things that the fish eat, and eventually, they get so much, they get sick, and then we're eating the fish. It affects all of us. And most recently, scientific journals have been publishing the fact that they're finding microplastic in us. So this problem is real. And so I urge everybody to use less plastic bags and to support Philippe and Cosmo on their trip across the oceans. Absolutely, because this is also a special journey. You've got two people in, in a boat sailing. What's unique about that? What's tricky and what's sort of challenging? Because a lot of the sailing trips, we see one sole sailor, but having two can also pose its own challenges and, and opportunities. So t- talk us through that process as well. Cosmos? Yeah, I think so. One thing to note is the type of boat that we're on. So it's the Beneteau Figaro 3. Uh, which is a very high-performance uh, racing boat made by Beneteau. And it's uh, quite notable because it's got foils on the outside of the boat, which makes it, as you go faster, it lifts up more and more, making it more and more and more fast. And um, and inside, it's, complete, it's a pure racing boat, so there's absolutely nothing inside. Uh, we basically sleep on some sort of uh, mesh 
There's virtually no toilet. There's no kitchen. There's not even any lights inside. So it's really quite a an Very adventure. Comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you're sort of like camping on a boat. Um, it's very minimal. Then. Exactly, and you're going along at you know 15 knots, and it's smacking against the ocean, and and all these sort of things. So it's. Uh, Is it because to keep the weight as light as possible? Wow. Yeah, exactly right. So it it makes the boat extremely fun to sail as well. Uh, last year we were we we did a top speed of around 22 knots, so that's very fast in in sailing terms. And it's uh yeah it's, it's an absolute joy to to sail that boat. Yeah, because mm. you're also racing as well. It's not really a relaxing time. Do you ever get downtime when, you, or is it one person keeps watch and then the other person rests? How, how does that work? Yeah, what what happened? We do a watch of uh, two hours on, two hours off. But uh, as we are only two on the boat, we are allowed to have an autopilot, which is basically the third person, you know, working for us. Now, last year, unfortunately, after the first night, the autopilot broke. And then we were really in trouble because, you know, we are not a 15-man crew. And so when we are only two, uh, then one has to steer the boat all the time. And the other one has to do all the maneuver on his own, which is a bit complicated, even for cooking. Because our cooking system needs to have two people. We have a jet boil which is flying around the boat, you know, and one has to hold the jet boil as the other one is filling up. So when you've got one at the at steering, basically you can't eat. So mm. we had to eat uh, snack bars, you know, for the next four four days, and it and was a bit complicated. Yes, wow. exactly. Yeah. But coming back to your point, where we are only two, why we love to be two because we are doing everything. When you are a 15 crew man, you know, everyone has got one responsibility. And uh, for us, we are able to do everything, the two of us, you know, yeah. so that's that's what we like, you know. Yeah. And finally, um, remind our listeners once again, how can we support your race? Have you got a social media page? How can we find out more about it and how can we support you? So Father and Son and A Plastic Ocean, we have a uh, page on the Simply Giving website, which is www.simplygiving.com. And you just go on, press donate, find Father and Son in a Plastic Ocean, and you can make a contribution there. Excellent. And we'll post a link on this Facebook Live as well. Meanwhile, thank you so much. Best of luck for the race. Keep us posted. And I'd love to absolutely have you back again to share your journey with our listeners. Once again, thank you so much to you, Philip and Cosmos mm -hmm. and Karen, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Noreen. Thank you, Noreen. Thank you.